What if you looked out your window and saw Jesus going through your trash can? Would that surprise you? The greatest illusion of our time comes in the form of waste. From landfills to micro trash, to invisible emissions, to imperceivable pollutants, to the factories and shores we never see. It's all hidden away from our sight. However, the harmful effects of this global wastefulness is touching the lives of everyone you love, every place you've been, and every single thing you can imagine. So what if God actually is very interested in your waste? Welcome to Hill Country Institute Live, the program that brings you together with Christian ministry leaders, authors, and ambassadors for Christ in their vocational calling. I'm Larry Leninschmack, your host, and I want to thank you for joining with us today as we seek to encourage and equip followers of Jesus Christ to show His heart and His mind in all that we do. Holy living. We think of worship, praising God, being in community, caring for our neighbors, but have you thought about creation care as part of holy living? How do we break the bonds of consumerism? Please stay with us for a conversation. I'm pretty sure it'll be like nothing you've ever heard. We'll be talking trash, not the way that athletes talk to another team, but the way God would have us treat it for the good of His creation and His people. We invite you to visit our website, hillcountryinstitute.org, to hear podcasts of our past radio programs on topics including art, human trafficking, racial relations, and more. The website also offers audio and video from our past conferences and seminars on many faith and culture topics. Our radio programs are also available as podcasts at Hill Country Institute Live on your podcast app. Be sure and add live to find the podcast. The program is sponsored by donations, and you can donate to support this program at hillcountryinstitute.org or by calling 512-680-7993. For donations over $100, we have a copy of Garbage Theology, The Unseen World of Waste and What It Means for the Salvation of Every Person, Every Place, and Everything by our featured guest, Caleb Haynes. Please contact us if you'd like to sponsor the program. Today we're blessed to talk with Caleb Haynes, a bivocational pastor who co-planted a church in Nashville with his wife and who also hauls trash away from construction sites and other places. Caleb is the author of Garbage Theology, The Unseen World of Waste and What It Means for the Salvation of Every Person, Every Place, and Everything, a book on holy living, waste, community, and overcoming consumerism. Caleb is the co-founder of Nazarenes for Creation Care, a grassroots organization working towards environmental stewardship and care for the least among us. Now let's welcome our special guest, Caleb Haynes. Caleb, thank you so much for being with us today on Hill Country Institute Live. We appreciate you joining us, and this conversation is one I've really been looking forward to. Larry, thanks so much, brother. This is uh, it's just a treat to be here with you and chatting with your uh, your people. And um, yeah, I love I love talking about this, and this is part of what I'm on Earth for. I think so. Yeah, thank you. I've seen your work. I think it's a it's definitely a calling. Yeah, Caleb, you you and I met through uh, the Evangelical Environmental Network, and we were both part of the first cohort they had of uh, bringing partners in and doing some training, and that was a fun experience, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. Who knows what they were thinking when they found us, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it was it was a wonderful experience, and uh, EEN is, man, what a great resource. 
Yes, we've had Mitch Hescock, um, Jessica Mormon, Mitch Hescock's president, Jessica Mormon's head scientist. We've had Paul Douglas, the weatherman who wrote, uh, co-wrote the book with Mitch. So we uh, we have a special place in our heart for even the Evangelical Environmental Network, and that's another group you can you can check out, folks, if you're if you're interested in learning more about creation care. But Caleb, everyone likes stories, and your story is a special one. Uh, our audience is interested in vocation how God calls people to specific work, as well as how we play a role in caring for God's creation. So I'd like for our audience to hear about how you came to write Garbage Theology. And since the book comes from your life journey, maybe we should go back and and hear about your call to ministry and a trip to Germany you took after you graduated from college. Yeah, right on. Yeah, we could go all the way back, you know, to a to a warm Saturday morning back in the eighties. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, but yeah, maybe I could give a bit of the brief version of some of that and we could just sort of see how far you want to get. But, um, uh, let's see. I, when I graduated from, uh, Trebek and university, this would have been around 2008. Um, ended up just really feeling led to, uh, move, uh, and help, uh, a church plant in Mainz, Germany, um, who was doing some kind of different things. And uh, I always knew I was really called to the ministry, but I also knew sort of deep down that didn't really look like uh, traditional uh, ministry settings, but I didn't really know. <laughs> I didn't know the what. I knew the what not, but not the not the what how that would actually uh, put on flesh in my life and so ended up moving there working with this church plant and and our vision from the beginning was we want to see how heaven breaks into our lives in our city and our world right and so we're doing theology in such a way of 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 just really praying that lord's prayer of saying lord your will be done on on earth as it is in heaven and that's what we believe we're up to as the people of god on earth is embodying uh, heaven on earth, right? That's what that's what we're here doing as citizens of the kingdom of God. And so uh, we don't believe there's trash in heaven, so let's pick up trash, right? We don't believe there's lonely people in heaven, so let's visit the lonely, right? And so, so forth and so on. And you see this, once you sort of like, uh, once that begins to click, uh, uh, you see that all over the gospels and all over scripture of of how we are, we are those hands and feet and that sort of tangible heaven breaking in uh, where you and I live. And so that, that sort of ethos just really grabbed us. And, and my wife and I ended up taking sort of that church model that we were doing there in Germany and bringing that back to Nashville to our own context where we felt we could really uh, do that work better. And so uh, we, planted, uh, we planted our church Kaleo in Nashville in 2000, late 2009, and we're almost celebrating 13 years at this point. Um, yeah, so that, that was sort of a wonderful journey. And, uh, with that, my wife and I, we've, we've always been bivocational and so we're pastors and then we do other things. So that, that's looked like working at nonprofits. That's like, looked like working at, uh, you know, sandwich shops and uh, different (laughs) things along the way. Um, but probably around my mid twenties, one of my really good friends, uh, came up to me and said, uh, and kind of had a business idea of something that he had, had tried a little bit. And uh, the business was Earth Tone Reconstruction and Recycling. And uh, so I began working with him uh, in this work. 
that involved um, basically often uh, me inside this this old GMC Sierra truck uh, going around Nashville, pulling up to remodels and evictions, new construction, uh, you know, all sorts of different scenarios, you know, people even just like moving out and leaving everything behind kind of thing. I mean, you just wouldn't believe. Right. And, and so I, I pull up to these job sites or whatever, and I have to start just the work of pulling all that stuff out and taking it somewhere. And, and, uh, and our work was very much centered around trying to find new homes for these things, trying to reuse these things or seeing where we could find new life. But even at the end of the day, right, such a large percentage ended up in the landfill because, uh, right, our, our system is broken yes. uh, here and, and there's only so much we can do. But we, we were as faithful as, as much as we could. But long story short, that put me really toe to toe or nose to nose with some some pretty nasty stuff. Uh, you know, I really got to see waste in a way that the average person probably doesn't get to see it, right? It, it is very kind of unseen, especially for us in our culture. I would say, depending on where you live, right, maybe that just goes in your can, you wheel it out to the street once a week, and then early one morning uh, while you're still in bed, the trash fairies come and take it away to Never Never Land, right? We don't really know where it goes or how it works. And, uh, and so uh, the job really gave me an opportunity uh, as a as someone who's pastoring, yet simultaneously, right, trash hauling and sort of just in the muck and, and really uh, dancing creatively in, in my head around uh, what how this intersects with our call as Christians uh, and just this world of waste that you and I live in today uh, and increasingly so. Um, so that's a little bit of the short version, I guess, but I mean, we can dig deeper in that if you'd like. Yeah, so... Um... So really, the the book came out of both your your both of your vocations, both your pastoral training, your pastoral experience, and your and your. Um, let, help me understand yeah. what what's the difference between garbage, trash, and waste? Are, are these synonymous terms, or do they have some differences? Yeah, that's a that's a that's a great place to start. Really, um, I think I think usually we we tend to think about them in a synonymous way. Uh, depending on where you live, but I, I would often say that that trash or, or garbage, right, or rubbish, depending on what part of the world you live in, uh, is sort of that thing that's just under your kitchen sink, right? That you just sort of like throw things in in the bag, and that goes out of the street. Um, and then there's sort of this the the bigger idea of of of, of garbage, which is sort of like what you're throwing away, even what you're recycling and everything. But I would say to call something waste uh, has much heavier connotations to it, right? When we name something as waste, uh, it's almost like saying that this thing has has no value left in it. That we say sometimes we say that it's good for nothing. Yeah. That when you call something waste, that's almost like saying that it's unredeemable. And so it's a little more sinister, I think, to call something waste, right? Because in essence, what you're saying is that this this item, this thing uh, that that God so named in the beginning good, we're saying, okay, well, this doesn't really have any intrinsic value anymore, so let's just toss it, right? And uh, in fact, one of the things I, I pull out in my book is this, this idea of 
um, right? What I, you know, I'm, I'm looking at in some of the places where where waste, right, where trash is occurring in, in scripture, yeah. in this this larger conversation, and you know, and I think back in the time and place when Jesus was alive uh, in Jerusalem, when you had something under this category, it went to this place called Gehenna, right? And if you know, right, Gehenna was this valley on the south side of Jerusalem where all the waste and all the filth and even dead animals were thrown and burned, right? And so Gehenna was this landfill, if there ever was one. Uh, If something was thrown out, this is where it was going. And, uh, of course, your listeners may know, right, Gehenna is this New Testament term that we translate as what, right? Hell. (laughs) And so uh, I I think that that's actually very fascinating to, to think about because I don't think there's actually any coincidence that the Gehenna, right, this horrible place that gradually became this ultimate landfill and dump was heavily used by the first century Jewish community as a means to talk about like a hell-like place. In other words, this, this right here, this is what it looks like when you're living outside the scope of God's kingdom, right? Oh, yeah. And, uh, and sort of juxtapositioning that with yeah. what we talked about earlier, right? If our if our calling as the people of God is 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 seeing heaven break in, right? This right this is a much this is sort of the opposite message, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah. Anyway, that, sorry. Long story short, I, I sort of snowballed there, but just talk. I think it is important to think about our language and and how that reflects what we believe uh, about all materiality. Sure. We know uh, we're we're kind of moving around theology. Let's let's do theology head on. Let's think about yeah all the important verses uh, that lead us there. What why is it important in Scripture? Why is it important theologically to care for God's good creation? Yeah, well, I don't know how much time you have, you know, but I guess we'll start with verse one <laughs> of Genesis, right? I mean, this literally is our core message. I think too, time, too many times as Christians, we, we try to begin our story at Genesis 3, and it just doesn't begin there. It begins with Genesis 1, yeah. right? And, yeah. uh, and in fact, if you were to look uh, at the Hebrew, right, like um, uh, the very first time we see the word God in Scripture, uh, it's followed by the word uh, create, right? And of like that, that God, God is a creator. This is who we first come to know who our God is. And, and so God creates this beautiful, right, uh, universe, all creation. And, and then on, on day six, he creates humanity as uh, part of creation, yet uh, in his, in God's image, right? And so literally we're created in the image of of a creator we are creators we're co-creators with god and uh and that's that's sort of the first thing we come to know about ourselves uh, along with what it means to to have right a, a dominion and a stewardship uh over and with creation and that continues on even into right i'm sure you've talked about it on your show right in genesis 2 15 and we're called to serve and keep creation and so our, our DNA from from the very beginning is 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 what does it mean to be in the image of a creator, right? And so thinking about this um, in in kind of this discussion of waste that we're talking about here, right? No, no one likes waste, 
right? You don't want to waste your time. You don't want to waste your money. You just, that's, that's kind of against who we are. And I don't think that's surprising because no creator wants his or her creation going to waste. That's just part of God's thumbprint on our, on our lives. And, um, and so I think there's, there's sort of a, a lot there to, to think about just in the very beginning of scripture of, of how God creates and how we're created to create. And, uh, you know, I think sometimes it's kind of a funny anecdote, but I think sometimes uh, about our creation story and, and how it, it's, it's wasteless when God creates. And there, there's no moment on day seven where there's boxes and Ikea leftover parts all over the floor and, uh, and God's like, Jesus, I need you to take this out of the garage, you know. Um, <laughs> and so there's, there's no like, do, you know, uh, it's, it's wasteless. And uh, anyway, don't, don't dig into my, uh, uh, my theology around the Trinity. <laughs> That's probably some, some no, when I read that in the book, but, I just uh, laughed. I mean, it, it's yeah, so funny. Yeah. It's like he created the, and on the seventh day, he took out the trash. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's no like oops bits yeah. of creation left over, right? right. It's, it's pure. And um, and to think about that, right? If you so if you were to like imagine a recycling symbol right yeah. now and how it, it's just endless. And one thing feeds into the next thing, feeds into the next thing, feeds into the next thing. Well, that that's how God created uh, the world, the universe, right? That uh, the way the way creation works as God intends it. And nothing goes to waste. Everything feeds the next thing. But if you step back, right, back in uh, here we are today in 2022, yeah. and uh, it's much more of a, a linear model, right? We've sort of exited out of this wasteless circle. Now we extract over here. We consume here. We toss the leftovers over here. And then we get hungry again. And so we got to do that again. Or we need another one. And and, and so now we've created a, sort of a real big problem in our world, and we've got to talk about what it means to re-enter that, that uh, wasteless, uh, you know, God-created circle there. Um, but yeah, there's, there's, I mean, all over Scripture, there's, there's, there's a lot of things once you sort of put on that lens. But I, I really love talking about sort of that, what does it mean to be created in the image of a creator? Yes. Well, and, and he made us stewards. That that was, you know, we were given that assignment, if you will, from God to take care of his good creation. You know, there's, right. a, there's another aspect of creation care that um, you allude to in the book and I think is important. How does caring for the least among us fit into your thinking? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, that, man, that is, a, it's a sobering, thought to, to think about. And, and, it, and it's a few, I, I'd say a few steps uh, up on the ladder once you begin uh, sort of connecting some of the dots um, of, so just talking about stuff, right? Like where's, wh where does our stuff come from? What happens to it in the middle and, and where does it go? And, and how does this affect my neighbors? Uh, people I've never seen across the world, or even my children who live right here in my home. And I think um, because sort of the world of waste is is very hidden from us and is very unseen, these are questions that have sort of lied dormant for us 
a really long time, especially in the West, of, of what are the ramifications of consuming the way that we consume. Uh, and so, uh, and so now we're, we're a little bit late to the table to begin talking about what does it look like to uh, love my neighbor with, with my consumption and, and how I throw things away in the world. And so that's a, that's a really huge conversation. And the more you sort of begin to look, you know, you may see things you didn't want to know, but I, but that's sort of the, the point, right? And uh, I think I think a lot, honestly, about that text in Matthew 25 when 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 there's sort of like this judgment scene, right? And if you sort of pull back and look at Matthew 25 as a whole and that whole section of the end of that gospel, and Jesus is really leaning into this conversation around stewardship, about how we use what's in our hands and our resources, and and there's sort of like direct quote unquote form of judgment that follows uh, right how how we did or didn't uh, steward well and how we did or didn't uh, feed the hungry right and and clothe the naked and visit the uh, those in prison and uh, and I, that's a very sobering reminder for me because what that's telling us is how you and I, uh, live our lives, what we do with our hands, what we do with what's in our pockets, what we do with what's in our homes and our trash can uh, is about loving our neighbor, is about loving God. And uh, and so when when that comes down to uh, right, my cons- my consumption levels, um, there, there's a lot of one for ones there. And, um, you know, just talking about, I guess, trash directly and uh and landfills and that and that sort of thing right um all all this anything we we throw away that doesn't re-enter that circle right we're talking about uh we're quote unquote putting that in the earth or it's blowing around somewhere or it's in our oceans uh or so forth and so on and those that has real ramifications uh for us right and so more people, um, more people die every single year uh, just from uh, pollution. And I know we, we, we hear pollution, and I, I think that becomes a little white noise sometimes. Hmm. And pollution, you don't necessarily see pollution, right? You don't necessarily see air pollution. You don't necessarily see pollution in, in the ground. Uh, right in our topsoil, yeah. you don't necessarily see pollution in the water. It sort of feels invisible, doesn't it? Does. And uh, in, in fact, they say there's no place uh, even in the ocean. I mean, think how big the ocean is, right? It's huge. Actually, you know, I think I think World Ocean Days this week or something. But um, you know, I, they say that there's no longer any part of the ocean that humans have not affected, basically. Yeah. And and most of the reason for that is because of plastic. But and so the ramifications are really, really big when we start talking about um, 
uh, creation care and pollution, right? Because so again, so more more folks die every year just from just from air, water, or or soil pollution than than like all forms of disease, right? The uh, all forms of war, right? I mean, it's it's astronomical, and and so man, when we when we talk about loving our neighbors, and when we talk about what our responsibility is and our call to 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 love uh, God and love our neighbors and love creation, right? These are these are really one for ones, yeah. and and I think we've got to get a lot more curious about how uh, the dis- the little decisions that we make and the big decisions are are affecting the least of these uh, mm-hmm. in the world, uh, right? I mean, yeah. if you live in America, right, we um, we consume more than any other nation, and and it's by far the the global north, right? That that is, is causing much of what what's happening in, in the world right now, uh, right? The, the balance, the balance scale is, is, is very weighed one way. Mm-hmm. And, and so our, all our little choices actually have pretty big, pretty big consequences. Um, so I, I, maybe I'm sort of getting off track and rambling now, no, but I think feel it's, free to go yeah, somewhere. It's, a bit, it's such a big topic because the, the poor, are generally the ones who live downstream from the refineries and the chemical plants, or the right. or the coal-fired uh, uh, generators for electricity, or concrete plants, and and often they're the ones who, when there's a major flood like we had with Hurricane Harvey, they're in the low-lying areas and they have a harder time putting their life back together because they don't have the resources and the government programs maybe aren't aren't adequate or are slow to respond. And then you, you look at other other places like Bangladesh with, with rising sea level and loss of farming land. So the, the poor suffer disproportionately in the U.S., north, well, the, the global north, it's not just the U.S., but the U.S. certainly leads here, uh, is, is a major source of, of those pollutants and therefore the mm. problems that kind of go out from us. So in, in thinking about the least among us, it, it leads me to think about generational responsibility because it's, it's very much related. You know, I'm a baby boomer, and, and I just, I just want to take a moment and say, as a baby boomer, you know, I apologize to anybody younger for the mess that we've made. We, that pollution that uh, Caleb came, is talking about, uh, you know, that came about on our watch. And, uh, and it's air pollution, water pollution, soils depleted. Uh, we have a warming planet and, and the, the, just the, the lack of balance. We had stability so much, and now so much of that stability is lost. So as a baby boomer, I just I want to say, you know, I'm sorry. And, and uh, I have high hopes that, that Caleb, you, and, and, and like-minded people will, will clean up the mess we've made. And, and I'm sorry to give it to you. You know, I'm not alone. <laughs> but <I'm, laughs> I just yeah. think that, that uh, our generation needs to, needs to be hat in hand talking to people who are younger. So but yeah. in the broad picture, how should a generation think of future generations and how does that impact, you know, maybe even we could talk about a key word, dominion, and, and yeah. taking resources from the earth. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's such an important question. And, uh, you know, Larry, and I, and I know you're very heartfelt in, in saying that, but I also think it's important to remember that you know, uh, for for a majority of us and baby boomers and so forth and so on, right? You're 
you're just you're just playing the hand that was dealt to you and 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 doing what what you knew to be best in the world right and now now we know more right and there was a time where we didn't wear seat belts right we didn't even have seat belts but <laughs> now we sort of we just know more and and um but at the same time it it doesn't change all the lives that were lost when we didn't have seat belts are you with me and and so um, you know, so I do think there's an important moment there for us as the people of God to say, to, to grieve together and to sort of like sit with this. I think, I think maybe too often we just want to jump to like, what are the solutions? Yes. Um, but man, you can't really get there without, uh, creating some space to sort of grieve and confess and, and sort of look, you know, look the tragedy in the eye. And, uh, you know, I think sometimes, you know, you and I, we probably talk about this a lot. So you want to you kind of reduce it to numbers or something. But, uh, you know, there's a there's a real tragedy here that that we've got to grieve. And, um, you know, we we did a um, my my the organization I work with, we did sort of a creation care conference back in February. And that first night we ended up writing this sort of liturgy of just all the, the 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 creatures who had gone extinct in 2021 yeah. and uh, and it was just like wow this is really this is really sobering and uh, you know uh, this is a part of creation uh, that we're a part of that's that's gone and um you know i think sometimes all too often we've created that narrative where we're we're separate from creation as humans, um, you know, which, which if you, again, if you kind of go back to that original Genesis story, God knew what God was doing. Uh, you know, it's like we, he actually took earth, right. Creation like earth and breathed into it. Right. We're, we're sort of the quote, the best of both worlds here, right. We are earthlings, but we are of God. And, uh, and this is all, this all part of our story. And I, and I think that all too often, unfortunately, we're guilty in the church of, um, you know, a really old, a really old heresy uh, from an early church day is called Gnosticism, oh, which, yeah. which believed that you could separate your, your spirit and your body as if God is just coming to, to, to save our souls or something. And I, and I think it's a slippery slope sometimes in our in our church services in our time when we we talk about our, our souls and God saving our spirits. Um, but if I read my Bible, uh, man, it's it's chocked full of of, of the the story about God uh, reconciling all all things. Right. If you read Colossians right through the blood of the cross that uh, that that that. Uh, all things is is being made in that God is is creating and, and doing uh, and redeeming um, all all life, not just my soul, but my my body, and my spirit. Like all this is is going to be uh, made new. And again, right? If, if this is what we believe, heaven is like. This is what we're embodying on earth. And yeah. uh, and so I, I think we've got to think more holistically around 
what it what our sal what our salvation story is really about um because it's again it's it's that you know it, it ends those last couple chapters of genesis and all things but uh sorry yeah. i totally lost your original <laughs> i no, totally no, lost your original question, it, but, it's such um, a big question and, and all this ties together uh yeah in thinking about that the colossians verse by him all things were created all things were created through him and for him he's before all things he holds all things together there's there's this powerful sense that all of creation belongs to Jesus and it's for him. And then there's this reconciliation that you're that you're talking about that that uh, I mean, it's a generational thing that that over time, generations. Yeah. Will need yeah. That yeah. And so I think I think that we've got to I think we're, we're you know, in some ways, humanity is is so young. OK, so uh, I mean, in in the last. Uh, in the last uh, few minutes of creation, really, we've de we've depleted an immense amount of resources, and um, so I think we've got to think about deep time a little bit, and uh, and I actually like to think about the Noah's Ark story a lot too, because uh, right, if you read that, it took Noah and his sons, right? Oh, it says over a hundred years or something to build this ark. I mean, can you imagine, right? And supposedly it had never even rained. Yeah. And so all of a sudden, if you you turn you sort of turn the gym a little bit and you see that this is a, this is this is also a story about God working to uh, save a remnant from creation, right? And 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 this story about uh, a, a, a faithful person building this ark. Uh, for over a hundred years um, to to do this work, and that's kind of the work that that I really feel like the church and the people of God are called to today is to is to think long haul around creation. And I and 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 I know this gets a little bit this this gets a little bit hairy. Uh, one because I don't think we we like really confronting this thought, but but two. I think sometimes we give into this temptation as the people of God to use our eschatology, to use what we believe about the end times as some sort of scapegoat to not live into the calling that God has. Man, 2020 clearly put on our lives uh, uh, in, in full on clarity to take care of creation. Yeah. And, and by that, I mean, you know, we'll say things like, oh, Jesus is coming back tomorrow, right? All this is going to burn anyway, right? Which, you know, and so we don't need to get into to all the, the nitty gritty there. But the, but the point is, even if you were right, okay, uh, even if you were right, that doesn't uh, negate our responsibility as Christians on earth right now where, where uh, people are dying, where so much is, is going wrong, where you know, all this stuff is leaching into our topsoil. You know, uh, the scientists are saying now that we've got somewhere around 60 years or less of of agriculture left of the way that we grow food on an industrial scale because of the way our topsoil is yeah. is is um, being depleted and washing back away. And uh, right there's there's lots uh, of inks built about this this process is going on right. And, and, and so we can't disconnect uh, these things. And so I think sometimes, uh, you know, we sort of got to step back in and say, what does this look like for us to think deep time about, I mean, I've got two little girls right now 
And I, it's scary to think about what what they're when they get my age, what this is going to be like. I mean, I've read the projections, uh, you know, thankfully, they're just projections at this point. Uh, but that there's a big if there, depending on how you and I decide to live our lives and how we decide to respond. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a that's a really good thought. Or people of hope. That's uh, that's, that's right. For sure. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah and, and your book um, strikes me. It strikes me that there's something really different about your book that's set it apart, and it ties into to where we are in this discussion. I mean, there there are many superb books and really helpful books on creation care by Christian authors, and they're still being written. They're so important. But in in your book, you're calling us to to holy living by the way that we treat our waste. And holiness is generally thought of as an absence of sin, as an attribute of God, something we seek after. But when you talk about holiness expressed in our way of treating our goods and treating our waste or trash, the LSH book, you know, again, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of mixing the words here, but, but in the way that we treat those things that we have bought, you know, do we reuse them? Do we, do we cast them away? How does that relate to holiness? Absolutely. That's, man, you're getting on my favorite topic now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's that's a very important conversation. Unfortunately, I've seen, uh, speaking of, of separate generations, right, I, I think that maybe some generations older than myself, you know, really grew up in a time where we, uh, where holiness gradually became uh, a conversation around personal holiness, mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's a very important conversation, right? My sanctification, my uh, being created further and further in the image of God. Uh, uh, and, and now sort of younger generations are kind of coming back around to this conversation of right. But also social holiness. Also holiness has to do with how I love my neighbor, right? As well as how I, I love God, right? This is all very obvious in a way. And so... Uh, you can't have one without the other. This is this is this is what holiness is, right? Holistic. It's whole, and uh, and that's what we have to keep in perspective. I I love talking. You know, actually, one of my favorite uh, books of the Bible, right, is Leviticus. And if you read Leviticus, man, right, and 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 you get to like Leviticus 19, which if any Bible nerds are, are listening, right, yeah. we call it the Holiness Code. Yes, yes. and uh, it's just sort of the name we've given it, but it, the, the book sort of turns a corner and it says, uh, be holy, right? Because I'm holy. Uh, God says to Moses, say to those people. Yeah. Uh, and, and then you get the very first time in scripture where it says, okay, here's what this means. Uh, love your neighbor as yourself. Okay. And then, but don't stop there because if you keep reading through, right, and, and if we just, just just this one chapter, right, much less the rest of the book, all of a sudden we're talking about everything. We're talking about the kind of material that's in our clothes. We're talking about the way, the timing of which we're eating the fruit from our fruit trees. We're talking about our how we're wearing our sideburns. We're talking about uh, how uh, how we have sex. We're talking about how we treat the the worker that we're paying, right? I mean, literally, it's talking about everything. Yes. And it's just, it's the writing on the wall that says, look, like you, you be holy because I'm holy, right? That's going to involve 
everything that you do and everything that you wear and everything that you eat because holiness is about wholeness. It's about how you and I decide to live in the world. It's in, it's incredibly material, right? There is no such thing as uh, me separating my body from the world, right? And and scientists now really, I mean, it's 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 kind of a large conversation because when I talk about me as a person or me as a body, but you were to take a microscope and and look look at me and look uh, through my blood and through my DNA, it's hard to say what I'm made of, right? There's a million moving parts and atomic world in there of just like, uh, like what, what am I, right? Yes. Uh, I mean, this, they say that the, the human, every cell in your body completely uh, regenerates every seven to 10 years. And so that my seven to 10 year old body, that's gone, I'm something else now. And so, <laughs> um, yeah, so to talk about holiness, right, is to, is to remember our interconnectedness with all of creation and how am I loving God? How am I loving my neighbor? by how I'm, I'm uh, paying wages to workers, how I'm treating the, my, the, the land around me, how I'm being a faithful steward to all of those things that are coming in my house or through my body or in, in, in my life or through my church building, uh, because this is, this is all connected. Yes. And, um, you know, and, and in, in, in the New Testament, right, I, I think it's so important for us, again, to talk about Jesus, to talk about our Christology and, uh, you know, the, the incarnation. I mean, that's not happenstance. Yeah. And, uh, and, and again, we want to spiritualize this, quote, quote, sometimes. But we have to remember as the people of God that, that Jesus was born <laughs> In this, in this right stable, uh, a, a dirt like hands in the dirt, in a body, ate food from the ground, interacted with all matter, right? Yes. And and so if we look closely, we realize right the incarnation, Jesus, uh, God coming to Earth is a reminder that that there's sort of a ordination here that there's sort of like all matter matters, and every belonging belongs, right? And and God is 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 redeeming uh, everything He's touching, and uh, yeah, I, th- I think to talk about to sort of lean into some of our holiness roots as the people of God is a really a faithful way to to talk about and and address our role as stewards of creation, and and think of it as a, a whole uh, once again rather than uh, us just sort of grazing on top of the world till God beams us up or something, yes. uh, right? But remembering that our salvation, right? Man, God's God's wanting to use us in his salvific story here as he's working and redeeming all things, uh, right? We shouldn't be surprised to find that Jesus is the ultimate recycler, right? Sure. I mean, that's the story we find in all the gospels that all the have-nots, all the things that the world is throwing away, is saying this is worthless, right? That's the stuff that Jesus is shopping for. Are you with me? Like yes. that? Those are the people. Those are the things. Those are the places that Jesus is like, "You're coming with me," right? That's that's what I'm up to here. And so it's it's such a key part of our our story, I think. Yeah. Well, and and in, in, in his own heritage, there was Rahab, the the harlot. So. You know, and and Mary Magdalene was uh, 
you know, a part of the entourage that was that was with him around him, the disciples. So he yeah. he gathered and cared for and rebuilt lives. So why would we not gather and rebuild uh, the stuff? Uh, I know da- Dallas Willard uh, was was talking once about how. Uh, God and Satan were having this discussion, and Satan said, well, I can create too. And he scooped up a handful of dirt, and God said, no, wait a minute. You've got to make your own dirt. You've got to make your own stuff. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, that's why the phrase you use, a sub-creator, I think is so good. Mm-hmm. I, I associate that with Tolkien. It's one of, one of his uh, phrases about who we are and, and, and what we are to be. And I, I also uh, just... The you shall be holy for I am holy is repeated again by First Peter in reference to it. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. And all your conduct is what you're you're really talking about because we we should be thinking of community. I mean, you you really emphasize community in your local church. From from what I've heard, you wash dishes together. You're you're close sure, in yeah. fellowship. But we're 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 in a community. You know, I'm in a community in Texas and. And, and I'm in a community in the United States, but my community extends beyond that. And that's why we, we need to be thinking about that, that thing that I'm discarding, that plastic bottle that floats away from me at the beach or whatever it is. How does it impact the rest of the community of the world? Mm, absolutely. So, yeah. Well, um, such a. If we if we might, uh, gosh, there's so many so many things I love to talk about with you, but maybe we ought to talk about landfills for a minute because landfills are where the things end up that are discarded, and they're mm-hmm. and they're considered waste. And you you're sitting as we speak in a t- tell us about the, the 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 room that you're sitting in and how it came <laughs> about and, and lead into landfills with that. Yeah, yeah, we could just go places. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, so I, again, my, you know, we're bivocational. And so one of the ways that that works currently is we Airbnb. Okay. So we've got what used to be like a mud room in our house that we decided would be better served as a tiny house uh, to try to create some income. And so we converted this into uh, a small sort of 160 ish square feet tiny home. And uh, but we said, well, we're we're going to try to do this as wasteless as possible. And so uh, most of what most of what's in here is um, sort of taken from some other again, some other job site, some other place. Uh, These cabinets, uh, we actually got these from Habitat for Humanity. Right. Someone donated those uh, so forth and so on. So pretty much everything uh, in here is kind of a, a bit of that story. Uh, I've got a, a, the deck on the back of my house uh, literally is built from uh, decking that I pulled out of dumpsters uh, just here in town. You know, I've kind of I got an eye. I'm always like looking in dumpsters because I'm that guy. And uh, because it's, it's crazy, the stuff we throw away, especially when we talk about construction waste. And, you know, by the time I can see a house uh, being built, that's like finished up with their deck. I'm like, OK, that's my number, you know, because. Yeah, treated lumber is kind of expensive these days. And so yeah. I built this just whole big deck, just, I mean, and so uh, it's it's there. You got to get a little thrifty. But um, yeah, I think it's really important for us to, 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 to know a little bit more about where the stuff is going. And, uh, you know, for most of our, at least uh, municipality waste and the general stuff, you know, it's, it's being trucked 
uh, again, to, to some corner probably of the county or your state, depending on where you live, uh, or and if you're in New York, right down the Hudson River or something, and um, to to some sort of landfill. And and as you mentioned, Larry, often these these places historically have um, many many places around uh, the United States. Uh, we've sort of we've sort of like. The, this waste has been found in place uh, on in fence lines within communities of some of the most marginalized people and especially black and brown uh, Americans. Right. And so there's just story after story after story, uh, because if 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 I'm if I'm well, you know, I'm not going to if I'm in charge of this, I'm like, I'm not going to put this next to where I live. Yeah. Right. Or or if you've got money, you're you're going to say, well, I'm not going to I'm not going to choose to live here next to this landfill or stump or something. Right. And so there is this this sort of uh, environmental what's called environmental racism that does happen. Um, but, you know, and as best as we can do, even today in 2022. Right. You try to a landfill is created and there's a seal in the bottom and they they run pipes to try to harness the, the methane that gets produced. But even some of the best landfills out there uh, eventually leak, seep into the soil, into our water, right? And we're talking about we're talking about forever, okay? And so even even at at best, some of the stuff like this this plastic's going to eventually start breaking down, right? This stuff is in our earth. Uh, this is it's, it's here, and uh, and so. Um, yeah, and, and 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 what happens when, for instance, talking about plastic, right? What what do we do? How how do we un how do we undo what we've done? And that's sort of the question that we're that we're, we're wrestling with today. Yeah. We spent a generation saying, "Can we do this?" And we should have been asking, "Should we do this?" And so now, right? There's since about the '50s, there's 8.3 billion metric tons of plastic. Uh, in the world that's still in the environment and uh, only about 30 percent of that 8.3 billion is still in use all the rest of that is just out there somewhere and uh, and so uh, we we think we're sort of figuring it out with our landfills but you know (laughs) at our levels of consumption and 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 then the way that that it all ends up working out in the end like we're we're really i mean no pun intended, but we're sort of digging ourselves in a hole. And, um, and so we've really got to think on the consumer side of things, um, how to sort of go back to a time where number one, we, we just, we don't need so much stuff, but number two, we opt for, uh, for things that are solid you know, for things that are real, right? For not the styrofoam, but the real stuff. And and this goes this goes for our washer and dryers. This goes for our homes. This goes for so many things. And uh, you know, and it, but it's but it's not it's not easy. It's a very difficult conversation depending on where you live or how much money you have. And uh, but there is a supply and demand, right? The more that we stand up as the as as people and say, this is what we want. We want the goods. <laughs> Right. We want something that's yeah. going to last. that's going to be around. Right. Or on the other side, that's that's going to biodegrade. Right. That, yes. That's going to to be good for the environment. Right. And uh, and often those items uh, are can be more expensive. Uh, and so if we can't afford them, you know, we should do our part, I think, and, and try to 
to, to get better quality material and sort of try to change some of the market there. Um, but, you know, we also have to talk about, right, planned obsolescence, uh, right? As I'm sure your, your listeners maybe have heard that term before, you know, you've, everyone sort of bought that blender or whatever it was at one point. And, and then like clockwork, a year later, a part goes out, you know, you can't fix it. And, and even if you, if you could, you wouldn't know how, or if you, even if you could find that part and then you're like, oh, it's cheaper to buy a new one. Yes. And, and so we get stuck in these sort of cheap goods, planned obsolescence uh, cycle where the rich are getting richer from this stuff because we're, we're, you know, we're just scratching the bottom of the barrel with all of this just junk down here that society is giving us and that we're receiving. And, um, and so we, you know, what does it mean to be sort of intelligent consumers on that end? But at the back end, also there's there's good, you know, there's good legislation that that we should all be aware of, right? There's sort of the right to repair. Um, that's that's a really good thing to to look up and to see how you can be involved in sort of your your state or bug your representative. They made it really easy. I think it's something like the right to repair.org or something. And other parts of the world have already implemented legislation to say look if if this you know if this blender or whatever it is breaks uh you legally have to give me a pathway of fixing it you know that's either that's a a, a blueprint of my blender with a parts number where i can you know wh whatever that is and so uh because currently it's 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 pretty sinister and it should be illegal the way that these uh you know larger scale companies are taking advantage of consumers through things like um design for the dump uh items and materiality and so that's also a big part of the of of the system uh that's 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 sort of going wrong there yeah. and you know and if you if you peel back another layer there sort of getting back into so the theology conversation, right? What, what, you know, wherever you find yourself looking at this discussion of waste and you start peeling back layers, what we find at that very bottom layer is, is the same, the same sin we've been finding throughout all time, which is some form of greed, which is some form, form of lust, some form of, uh, you know, slothfulness, some form of overconsumption, right? All the way back to Genesis three, right? And our assumption that we can consume however it is we want to consume, whatever we want to consume, despite what God says. And, uh, and so I, yeah, anyway, I'll get off my preacher. Well, <laughs> get off you my are a preacher, uh, so I think that's just fine. But uh, consumerism ties in, it's kind of an overarching theme for so much of what you're talking about, because demand is created we want that that latest cool thing the the faster car the the, the faster computer uh, that that mm. sexy blender that that they have at the, you know when you walk That's through right, the store yeah. and they're making yeah. great stuff you know and and they then, make it look good yeah and then what happens you know in some number of years it's it's ends up in the dump cuz you, you either can't fix it or you don't one one we're we don't have much time, but you 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 have a lot of creative ideas about things that we can do, and one of those you might mention is the reuse cafe. I believe that's what you call it. You know, where people a gather in the cafe. Yeah, yeah, tell us about that. Just as one idea of something that we yeah. can do. 
Man, I think this is one of the best ideas out there. And I think it was originally um, started in the UK, but just the, the, the general idea is, right, uh, like get get with a neighbor, get with someone, uh, you know, there's there's plenty of handy people around, okay? And, uh, and, and, if you, and if you're like me, you've got a closet full of tools that you use about a third of the year or something. But, uh, you know, open a garage door and say, right, let's do a repair cafe, brew a pot of coffee and say, let's, as a ministry in our, in our neighborhood, in our community, let's, let's number one, like let's, let's create community. Uh, and number two, right, let's, let's do it around repairing things. Because if you're like me, you've got a pile somewhere in your house in a corner of things that are broke, but you can't bring yourself to throw them away because you think, well, maybe some duct tape or a couple, couple screws or something <laughs> can fix it, right? And there's someone out there who might actually do some of that. And, uh, and I think that's a great way for the church to really grab some of this discussion around waste and sort of fight the man as well. Uh, of, of saying like, let's repair some of this uh, because most things are fixable. And, and in fact, this is one thing our church is doing, right? Every two weeks, we do have a little repair cafe and where we just bring things together. And I'm telling you, uh, like we're sewing sheets back together. Uh, we're, we're fixing a sewing machine. We're like all the little things, right? And it's, and it's fun, we have a good time. And, and and if you know if you're if you're older and have some of those skills, that's a wonderful opportunity to pass down some of those real, that real practical knowledge to some youth and age.